If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Former Brother Law, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eap Spears, and now a part of the Beeson family of podcasts, and we've got a great podcast for you. We're going to be keeping it to two parts today as we're going to be joined by Cooper Watson in segment number two. We're going to be taking a look at just what to expect from this upcoming season and how to utilize the polls and the rankings that have been coming out to help us out. We've seen the AP poll, a lot of these conference media days comes with a projector or a finish from the coaches and also the media members for all these conferences as well. We're going to be talking to Cooper about what some of the more metrics like Kempom, Partorvik, what have you, leaves out that humans bring to the table and what humans do that, well, does not necessarily blend with the metrics that gives the metrics a little bit of an edge on that front as well. There's positives and negatives to both, so we're going to be talking to Cooper about that. There's an ACC team that Cooper is feeling very bullish about as well, so we're going to be diving into that. And then we also did see DePaul have a big loss in their backcourt as well, so we're going to be talking about DePaul and their prospects for this upcoming season. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, Mimi does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way, that is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're going to be able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. We're also going to be talking with him about something that has become very popular here, these not-so-secret secret scrimmages and how we utilize these. I'm not going to be rounding up the results because you're going to hear on there, I just really don't put a lot into the results and I think Cooper is in a little bit of lockstep with me and that we're going to talk about what is very good about these not so secret secret scrimmages and what you should not be taking away from them as well. I think that that's very important this time of year because certainly these teams are getting tuned up for the upcoming college basketball season and we need to take a look at a wide variety of things to get you guys set and we're going to be doing that and so much more with Cooper Watson and we're also going to be talking with Cooper a little bit about the middle of the ACC as well in that chat. Comes your way next here on Coast to Coast Eats with myself, Peggy Peterson, and Bart from the DC Family Podcast. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. 
You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here in Love Las Vegas for Tips and Cuts with myself, Craig Eaps and now a part of the Visa Family of Podcasts. It is always great to be joined by this guest as Cooper Watson does amazing work over there at Bustin' Brackets and is part of Fansighted's college basketball coverage. Cooper is a man that is out there in the great state of North Carolina does a great job taking a look at all aspects of basketball. I know that he does a great job when it comes to looking at mock drafts. For those of you guys that are a fan of that, he's got his mock draft for the upcoming 2023 season. I know that he's going to be monitoring that throughout the entirety of the season and on top of that I know he does an absolutely incredible job just in general of taking a look at so many of these teams in terms of his conference previews over there at Boston Brackets and to be able to follow Cooper on Twitter that is at Cooper the letter T and then Watson all together and Cooper always great to have you aboard thank you it's good to be back Greg it is a time that we start taking a look at these anti-air quotes here, secret scrimmages, which I always laugh about because the results never stay secret. There is that aspect of it, but when it comes to these, I really don't stick a lot of stock into the results. Now, I remember Pepperdine lost to a D2 school by like 20 points, something like that, and that was sort of a warning sign that Pepperdine was probably going to stink, and sure enough, they were awful last season. But in terms of the results themselves, I don't typically stick too much shock into them. I more or less try to see who's all playing meaningful minutes or some of the five-man rotations that you've got or some of the guys that are seeing meaningful minutes things of this nature. I don't know how you go about these secret scrimmages, but I think bigger than the results are seeing who's all getting minutes and who's all starting. Definitely. I, the, the results, I mean, look, these aren't, <laughs> Jeff Goodman puts out the list that I roughly follow, calls it the not so secret scrimmage list, which <laughs> is true, but the results don't really matter just because every coach treats them differently. So one coach might be trying to simulate what a real game could look like, while another coach is just going to play a bunch of his players, he's going to get walk-ons in, he's going to do the whole thing. And so the results are skewed. And in terms of the things that we see get leaked, man, it seems like it's always, you never hear a lot of negative things come out of secret scrimmages, which always just makes me skeptical, which I get, because we want to hear who's playing well, what player on you know, any given power conference team might be better than we think, and so we're going to buy in. But I just don't put a lot of stock into it. I mean, I remember last season, I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was Valparaiso lost, I think two, I think they lost a secret scrimmage to like a D3 school or D2 school, and then they lost another exhibition to a D2 school. And so everyone was freaking out, like Valpo's not going to win a game all year, all this different stuff. And so the results don't matter at all. Fans can buy into it if they want. It's fun. I get it. I, don't, I hate to be negative here, but... The results don't matter. Some of the individual player, you know, if you hear this particular player played well, played well, I tend to maybe buy into that a little bit. I just, I don't know, man. I wish I could disagree with you here and say that I really think they matter and I put stock into them. And, you know, Julian Reese played well for Maryland. So now I'm going to, you know, pick Maryland to be a top five team of the Big Ten or whatever. I'm not there. We did hear that today that Julian Reese played well for Maryland, which I believe to be true. I have no reason to doubt that. But 
it's a scrimmage. Like I said, you know, who knows who the other team played, who Virginia played. Maybe Tony Bennett was playing walk-ons in the second half. Like it, it just, it's so inconsistent. And again, we get little bits and pieces. So it all depends on who you talk to. And anyone that is at the secret scrimmage that you talk to is going to give you something that is probably inflated from what actually happened. It's someone really close to one program or the other who's not going to give you probably the realest picture of what actually went down. So yeah, I don't put a lot of stock in the scrimmages. Yep, I'm sort of the same way as when we hear for those that are fans of the NFL, play-by-play of a lot of these training camps and everything like that. It's like, oh, good. They completed a five-yard button route in which they're going up against a scout team defense. That's absolutely (laughs) terrific. And I mean, if you're taking a lot of stock into that, that's not something that you can make a ton out of. And even if both teams are playing full bore, I mean, even when it comes to regular season games, you get outliers as well. And you only get like one or two of these secret scrimmages. You could have a guy that has a lucky day or two and then come the regular season, he just stinks and vice versa as well. So there's a lot of that. It's a small sample size and it's a skewed sample size while being small. So that's tough. You could just tell maybe some of the guys, uh, coaches are feeling a little bit more bullish slash bearish on it. I do think that there's credence in that, but the results themselves, it's just hard for me to take them too seriously as Cooper Watson is joining me on the podcast. I take this a little bit more seriously though as I think that the Big East is going to be highly competitive this year, top to bottom. I like what the conference has done, and one of the bigger transfers for DePaul, Caleb Murphy, he's got a wrist surgery, and he's going to be out for six weeks. I personally picked DePaul pretty much to be a 10A, 10B with Georgetown. I was thinking Georgetown might have a little bit more talent. This, to me, cements that I think that DePaul probably going to be last in the conference once again. I think that this is a little bit of a tough blow for a DePaul team that I think is honestly going to have a little bit of value in the betting market. If you find them getting double figures, even though I've got them as the worst team in the Big East, it's not like there's some sort of a terrible team, but this is a tough blow for a DePaul team that they do have quite a few moving parts with losing their top two scorers from last season. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, the Big East is deep as always. I don't think it's phenomenal at the top. I didn't think it was phenomenal at the top last year. Although Villanova outside, it's always outside of Villanova, but you do have Creighton sneaking up there, but at the bottom, I agree. And what's interesting to me is I do agree that DePaul is going to be worse than Georgetown. Now that probably puts them at the bottom of the league. But what's been interesting to me is you look at some of the analytics, which are not the end all be all, but they're a piece of the, you know, the picture Butler is at the bottom of the league on Ken Palm. And they're next to the bottom of the league on Torvik. Georgetown is way at the bottom on part of Torvik's website. I don't buy that. I'm a lot higher on Butler than that. And I don't think Butler's going to be some phenomenal team that's an NCAA tournament lot. But, I mean, that's a team that has some really good players. They bring in an awesome rim protector and Manny Bates if he can stay healthy. They bring in Thad Mata. But I agree, in general, that there's a, a clear bottom two in my mind, I don't think Marquette's going to be awesome. You know, outside of really Marquette, I think is kind of in the gray zone there. But I do think DePaul, Georgetown are the bottom. And then Marquette Butler probably right above that. It, it's a tough loss for DePaul. I think that that puts them just below Georgetown at the bottom of the league. And I think that you bring up something very important as well with taking a look at Butler in terms of metrics. Because I do think that having them at the bottom of 
a lot of these sites. I think that that's a little bit too far. I don't think that Butler is going to be a top five team in the Big East. I've got them more around that seven to eight range, I think seems about right. A team that is going to be fighting for an NCAA tournament bid. Whether or not they're going to be able to get there is a little bit of a question, but I do think that they're going to be able to do some solid work this season. And I do think that that's really important to take a look at. We're seeing all these polls that are coming out in terms of conferences, how the media votes, how the coaches poll vote, what have you. And then we did see over the last week or so, the initial Kempom rankings come out as well. And I like Virginia. I don't think that they should be number five in terms of Kempom. I think that that's a little bit drastic. And I think that it is very important that you utilize shall we say, the information from a wide variety of sites, taking a look at sort of balancing out the coaches poll like we're going to see with all these conferences, along with a site like Barktorvik, along with Kempom is what I think is very much ideal because when it comes to these metric sites, I do feel like they're sometimes a little bit jaded and they're a little bit off on some of these teams with transfers. And then obviously you get a little bit of bias when you have the actual humans voting in terms of what they had just seen last being the best thing. List goes on and on. And I do think that this year it seems to be a little bit more accurate than in past years, but I think sort of melding the two is the best way to go about it. If you're looking to gain extra information going into the season. I agree. There's weaknesses to all of these different methods of ranking teams. It's not a perfect science. There's no perfect way to rank teams. You know, we factor in a bunch of different things. The human polls have limitations. The AP poll, you know, if you look at Jeff Borzello's rankings at ESPN, and he does an awesome job, and Gary Parrish does an awesome job with the top 25 and 1 at CBS, but they have limitations where I kind of feel like sometimes, okay, we get these polls and there's maybe four or five bigger outlets that put out a way too early top 25 the night after the final four or the championship game or whatever, right? And so then it kind of compounds and maybe people shift a little bit, but it feels like all of the human polls that come after that are building on those initial way too early top 25s where maybe they shouldn't be. Maybe we should be stepping back and say, okay, maybe, let me take a fresh perspective. And Ken Palm does a decent job of giving us a different perspective where we've seen these human polls all off season that look generally pretty similar. You know, maybe one person has a Creighton number four and another person has Creighton number 16 or whatever, but like generally they're about the same. And so now we get these polls where North Carolina is number nine. Well, we can say that that's really low and it might be, but we haven't seen a human poll all off season that's had North Carolina number nine. So to have that from Ken Palm is interesting to me. I agree. I think generally within about five to 10 spots, I agree with a lot of the Ken Palm preseason rankings. But again, I mean, Ken Palm notes on his site and I, I, I don't have it verbatim here, but he notes that the the preseason rankings don't just factor in last year, you know, what's projected for this year. It goes back a couple of years as well. So there's a little historical data involved. By the way, speaking of historical data, Gonzaga, quick note here, is number three on preseason Ken Palm rankings, which I don't think is egregious. High Texas maybe, but first time Gonzaga has been outside of the top two on Ken Palm. I did the math earlier, and by the did the math, I mean I Googled it, and Google did the math. 944 days. Wow. February 29th, 2020 was the last time Gonzaga was outside of the top two, not top 10 or top 25, top two, and they're still only number three. So absurd there, but I love looking at Ken Palm to get back to your point because I feel like these human polls build on each other. It's like in a vacuum with these human polls where we're just yelling the same thing that we agree with each other back and forth, and then Ken Palm comes out, and it's objective, and it has no human bias 
whatsoever. And it's like, here's what we think. And this may not be 100% accurate, but you're not going to be 100% accurate either, humans. So let's like let's work together here and figure this out. Yeah, I think that it's always so interesting because there's a lot of groupthink that takes over in terms of human polls. And then when it comes to what you were mentioning with Kempom, sometimes a little bit too much of the historical lens takes hold as well. And I do think that it can be a little bit hard to quantify some of these transfers as well. Just because a guy put up 15 points per game over at high point doesn't mean that they're going to be able to do the same thing, even if it's a little bit more of a lateral move, going from like the Big South to the MEAC, going from the Big South to the America East, where the level of competition isn't necessarily too drastically higher or lower. I always think that that's very interesting to weigh out just because coaches utilize players in a different variety of ways. And that's why we have humans with eyes that are able to take a look at this as well. And then the humans can be very flawed as well. So sort of weighing out the two as joining me on the podcast, we do have Cooper Watson of Boston Brackets. And speaking of humans, I know that you do an amazing job taking a look at the game of college basketball. And I know you've been putting out your thoughts as to what we think we're going to get here in the upcoming college basketball season, just in your evaluations over the last few weeks, since I know that you joined me for the ACC conference preview about three or so weeks ago. Are there a few teams that as you take a look, whether it be in the ACC or just nationally in general, that as you look at them more, you either feel better or worse about them as you continue to dive in on them and continue to do more research? I feel better about Miami. (laughs) Miami's a team that was good for most of last year was not awesome they make the tournament and then they go on a run it wasn't super surprising because they had awesome guard play and at the end of the day in my opinion the thing i value more than anything in march other than great coaching is which they have by the way is great guard play which took them to the elite eight they have great guard play again this year early in the offseason miami had a lot of headlines right You've got Nigel Pack coming in. You've got he's making how much from NIL? 400000 800000 He's getting a car, all this stuff. Isaiah Wong says, I'm going to leave. I'm going to come back. It's all this NIL talk. But they get two great transfers. Pack, who was first team all Big 12 last year, that's not easy. Big 12 has been the best conference in college basketball almost every year for the last decade. It's been the deepest and the toughest league. So it's not easy to be first team all Big 12, especially on a Kansas State team that didn't win a lot of games. But that guy's awesome. And they get Isaiah Wong back. Like that backcourt is, I mean, other than North Carolina with Caleb Love and RJ Davis, it's as good as any backcourt in the ACC. And it, it might even be better than Caleb Love and RJ Davis. No disrespect to those guys. I'm high on Miami. I found myself middle of the year, middle of the summer, taking a step back and saying, maybe everyone else is too high on Miami because they got all these transfers and everyone's saying, oh, they're going to be awesome. And so I find myself zagging. And now I'm doing the opposite. I'm zag- I'm double zagging. I think Miami's going to be really, really good. I think they're going to be a team where we look up in Christmas and we're saying to ourselves, how wasn't that team like a clear top 20 team? preseason in my personal opinion I, I just love the guard play so Miami would be like my number one team where in the last probably two or three weeks as I'm really really digging into finalized rosters I found myself going back to Miami yep when it comes to Miami I do think that they're going to be in for a relatively solid season and I think that the ACC outside of Duke and North Carolina it's going to be as competitive as it's been in a very long time. I know that we were talking about this a little bit when we were doing the ACC preview edition of this podcast. And when it comes down to it, I think that that race for number three is very interesting. 
I feel like Florida State should be that number three team. That was a little bit after Jalen Ganey went down. I still have them at number three. But, I mean, Virginia and Miami are my four and five teams right now. And those are two teams that I'm still very bullish on as well. And I think that in terms of the ACC, you could be looking at right around eight teams being able to make the NCAA tournament. No question, Pittsburgh, they fall quite a few notches down with everything that has happened with Dior yes. Johnson off the court. It sounds like he's probably never going to play for Pittsburgh. Just a sad and unfortunate situation there. But, I mean, really, aside from Pittsburgh and I would say Georgia Tech as well is just a ghastly awful team as well. But <laughs> other than those two teams, I mean, it's a very competitive conference, whereas you had a bunch of slugs like Boston College, NC State last season that were absolutely terrible. You don't have as much of that this year. It's been difficult to rank, for me, I think the top six, or in my opinion, at least who the top six are going to be. We can argue on order, but to me, the top six are Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Miami, and Notre Dame. And Florida State, sorry, let me say top seven. Yep, top seven. That's the top seven. And in my opinion, those are seven tournament teams. If you fast-forwarded, if we fast-forwarded to March and one of those teams didn't make it, I would be surprised. Uh, it would probably be Notre Dame because they can't guard anybody. But in my opinion, that's still the top seven. After that, it's tough. And it's not like it's a massive drop-off to where we're now talking about terrible teams. But Clemson, NC State, Wake Forest, Boston College, Syracuse, like these are decent teams where you could talk me into any of them pretty much. I think Louisville, I would put Louisville, I don't want to disrespect them and put them in the same group as Georgia Tech. That feels mean. Georgia Tech's really going to be awful. Like, I would be surprised if they, they might go 0-20. It could just be a sad season for them. They're better than Oregon State is in the Pac-12, but they're probably the second worst power conference team. (laughs) They're better than Oregon State, you say. And Oregon State went 3-27 last year and somehow dropped in Ken Palm's preseason from where they finished. They're behind Queens NC who's transferring up from the D2 level in Ken Palm, and I don't disagree. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Being better than Oregon State is, is not difficult. I would agree, man. And I lean towards coaching. I just always lean towards coaching at guard play. So Wake Forest, for me, I'm going to have eighth. Just look at Forbes and the roster, maybe you could talk me into them like 12, but then you, you, I look back at Appleby, Monsanto, like they have guards and they have Steve Forbes, who is probably a top, I don't know, five coach, six coach in the league right now. Like he's awesome. I trust him a lot on Virginia real quick. They've been a weird team this offseason. They bring back a lot. They're number five on Kempom, which seems very high. And I'm looking at you know, I mean, Ken Palm, Texas is number two, which seems high. Tennessee four, that's honestly not egregious. But Virginia fifth, like immediate, that was my first reaction. When I opened Ken Palm and I said, let me look at these preseason rankings. My first like, whoa, was Virginia number five. They bring back essentially the same team as last year. A team that was not very good, 21 and 14, did not make the NCAA tournament. They bring in Vanderplas. The talk is about Beekman. Is Reese Beekman going to take the leap offensively? He's awesome defensively. He was number two in defensive player of the year voting last year. He's going to be up for it again this year. Probably him and Lively. Derek Lively from Duke. But I just, I don't know if I'm buying into Virginia. Like, they're number 18 in the AP poll. They're number 14 in the top 25 and 1 or 15 or somewhere around there. And they're number 5 on Kip. I'm like, I'm so, if there were an over-under... And there might be on some sports books. I don't know. You could probably tell me better than I can. But if there were an over-under win total for Virginia, and it matched up at all with what these analytics and even a lot of the human polls are saying, I'm betting the under. And it pains me because, like, Tony Bennett, 
has been not a guy you want to bet against for the last decade. They've been the best regular season team in the ACC for the last decade. Better than Duke, better than Carolina. I just don't see it with this team. Like it, We get sucked into this team is returning a lot, but from what? From a team that didn't make the NCAA tournament. Like, Do we have any specific reason to believe that Reese Beekman is going to be some 18-point-per-game score all of a sudden? like, If a coach or someone that's watched practice comes out and it's like, wow, Reese Beekman's hitting 20-footers, okay, cool. But I just haven't seen that. We're just saying, like, oh, he's going to make the jump. But why? Why do I have any reason to believe that? So I'm selling stock on Virginia. I could look really stupid. It's probably safer to say... Virginia is going to be awesome, but I feel confident in selling stock on them right now. Yep, I am right there with you. And there's not really a win total in terms of Virginia. Sometimes you'll be able to find conference wins. It's a very niche market, so you don't necessarily get it a lot. But if you're looking at odds to win the ACC at DraftKings, North Carolina's plus 150, Duke is 3-1, to one, and Virginia is 7-1, which I relatively agree with. I probably put Virginia more like 8-1, to 10-1. to one. I don't think that there's a lot of value on 7-1. to one, but are they, it's third? Not are they third there at 7-1? to one? They are third, yep. And then you've got Virginia Tech, Florida State, Miami, those three teams all at 12-1. to one. Virginia Tech, Miami have my attention. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that those three teams at 12 to 1, if you're looking for a little bit of a longer shot, you got a little bit more value there rather than Virginia at 7 to 1, but not necessarily a number which I've got super duper qualms with. So Vegas seems to be a little, little bit more lockstep with the AP poll rather than Kempom putting them at number fifth, which I right. do agree with as well. So I think that we're on the same page there. And Cooper, I know that we're both on the same page with getting set for what is going to be an amazing college basketball season. You've been hard at work. I'm busting brackets, taking a look at a little bit of everything. So look at good people at home. Know what's on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Oh, I've got uh, I've got tournament previews coming up, which I love. Team previews are fun. You know, you're doing the offseason, the whole thing, and you're previewing different teams, and I like that. But previewing the tournaments, these early season MTEs is fun to me. So I'm going to be doing some Maui. I'm going to be looking at the Maui. That's a strong field this year. It's always strong, but it's really deep this year. Louisville versus Cincinnati might be the, the seventh, eighth place game. Yeah, it could be. Louisville might be the worst team at Maui. And then Phil Knight, both those brackets. That's going to be an awesome thing that, you know, is not an annual thing, but it's going to be really cool this year to watch the different brackets. You got Duke Gonzaga in one bracket, North Carolina at the other one. So I'm going to be previewing those, ranking those teams probably, hopefully, both of those, you know, one through 10 or whatever rankings. So I'm excited to do some early season tournament previews. That's that's my like next up on the to-do list. Yep, no doubt. College basketball opening night is big, but what makes college basketball so much fun in late November is a lot of those tournaments. And I know that Cooper clearly loves those, and it is going to be an amazing college basketball season. Cooper does a great job taking a look at all things college basketball, and it is great to be able to get him on the podcast. Big thanks, Cooper, for joining me right here on Coast Coast Soups, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And if you ever have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you have one of two ways to be able to find those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNRS41. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this 
podcast five stars. It is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast five, that five star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day on this podcast. We've got just 15 days until the start of the college basketball season. Once we do have games back in our lives in about two weeks, picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. Until then, we're going to have great guest interviews coming your way. And we've also got two conference previews left to do as well. The SEC and the Pac-12. The SEC probably going to be done within the next 72 or so hours. The Pac-12 about a week or so from now. And in the meantime, just rounding up anything that you guys want me to talk about. Once again, please do send me some Twitter questions so that way I can get you guys set for the upcoming season. I do appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys tuning in every single day. And I will come at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.